This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another jam-packed Tuesday edition of Round Ball Stew. I am here with my co-host, Jared Johnson. Hello. Uh, we're going to go through, you know, all of Monday's games, looking for highs and lows, things that might speak to recent trends. What do we think is sustainable? What might be fluky? Injury fallout, a whole bunch of stuff. I'll start up top with a couple news bites, but I don't, I don't think there was too much going on. We saw D'Angelo Russell sprained his right ankle last night in the game. It looked like more of a tweak. We'll find out more about that soon, uh, especially if Pat Bev's calf injury keeps him out a while. We might be talking about that one. Uh, for now, it just looks like something to monitor, simple day-to-day situation. I don't think we need to go too far into the fallout there. And then James Wiseman was cleared for practices. Now, I did want to talk about this because you you wrote a note. You think he should be rostered everywhere. So I just wanted to get your two cents on this before I talk. Yeah, uh, I just think that, you know, he didn't have a, the best rookie season. But the opportunity is there for this guy to be really valuable with his ability to block shots, also hit free throws, be percentages good everywhere. I think that when Kevin Lo- Kevon Looney is the only man in front of this guy, I think he really does have the opportunity to come out and shine in his second season. Steve Kerr kept him on a very short leash his rookie year. I'm hoping that with a full year under his belt, the full offseason to work on his game and, and learn the intricacies of the dub system, I do think that this is a guy who could take an ex- a, a explosive leap in his second year. So pretty much every league that I've ever been a part of has an IL spot now. I think that he should be sitting there. Okay, that's fair. So should be rostered with the asterisk in your IR spot, which, uh, you know, I guess seems obvious. But I'm a little more skeptical, I think, simply because we haven't seen him play since he tore his meniscus in April. Uh, When last we did see him play, he looked totally lost defensively. The blocks upside you mentioned wasn't really manifesting. Uh, and I can't get quotes from Steve Kerr in July out of my head, where he said, we'll have a chance to play Wiseman more and more if he's ready to help us win games. And if not, that's fine. We'll keep developing him. I know everybody is impatient and wants him to be great now. It just doesn't work that way. And then he went on to uh, sort of relate Wiseman's development to DeAndre Ayton with the Suns and how they hope to streamline his game and simplify things, speaking to the fact that he didn't seem to be picking up schemes very quickly last year. To me, that seems like he's trying to light a fire under that guy's ass. So okay, <laughs> that's what it seems like to me. I mean, hey, coaches call out guys sometimes and they respond accordingly. So, you, you, you know, that's a fine quote to bring up. But um, this kid is talented. He was the number two overall pick for a reason. The Dubs franchise is incredibly smart. I don't think they make bad picks. So that's what he has going for him. And look, again... This is someone that you're cutting, you're, or maybe possibly not cutting anyone. You're just throwing them in your IR spot, and you're going to make that decision on who you cut later. But, I mean, the upside is, 
it's just that it's not often you can find that on the waiver wire. Someone with as much upside as this guy does have. I think at this point in most competitive leagues, people have probably sniffed this out and picked him up already. I guess my my bigger concern is once he's off the IL and in your active lineup, so not you know not just sitting in a free spot on your bench. Who is he taking minutes away from, and how long is that ramp going going to be? Looney. Well, right, but I mean, in your in your fantasy lineup, what, whose roster spot is he taking? And ah, I got you. And how long is is the ramp up going to be before he's actually producing at a top one twenty level? That that could hurt. But to your point, maybe hey, maybe he hits the ground, gets some traction, displaces Looney, uh, and. By the time fantasy playoffs come around, you look like a genius. So I'll, I'll go with your optimistic take on that one. Why why root against a, a phenomenal talent like that in his second season? I like it. All right. Before diving right into the Monday games, highs and lows, I wanted to highlight an Edge Plus Season Tools pickup of the day. This one comes from our colleague Jonas Nader, and it is a deep cut, Jared. He's going with George, George's Niang, rostered in 2% of Yahoo Leagues. Jonas writes he's going to soar overnight for good reason because Tobias Harris is expected to miss several games due to COVID protocols, which implies that he has tested positive. So, you know, he'll be out a little while. Jonas goes on to write, Nyang scored a season-high 21 points versus Portland to go with five boards, five assists, one block, and three triples in 31 minutes, which will surely earn him some trust from Doc Rivers. He was already turning some heads prior to Monday, hitting a ridiculous 46% of his long-range shots. There's a large sample size to back up his shooting, too, as he's averaging 3.5 triples per 36 minutes for his career. With three more games this week, the time to take a flyer is now. So there is a sneaky streaming play. I love it. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. That's a great call by Jonas. Port that advice over to DFS, even though the three-pointers won't help you in particular. Uh, he could be a sneaky end of bench kind of DFS guy as well. So uh, good pick there, Jonas. For more of the pickups of the day, you can get one seven days a week with the Edge Plus NBA Season Tools. Go get it today. Jared, moving on to Monday's guest. So a lot happened here. We're going to have to fly through this stuff, but we're going to start with a couple highlights, things that we love, things that speak to recent trends. We'll start with Toronto. OG Ananobi exploded for a career-high 36 points. Gary Trent also scored a season-high 26 points. Uh, he leads the NBA in hey. he, he leads the NBA in total steals. I think he's up to 21 or 22 of them now. Uh, some good things going on for for Toronto. They had Svi Mikaliuk filled in as a starter. He played exceptionally well in 35 minutes. Uh, that was a bit of a surprise to me. So obviously, OG's career high jumps out at this. But uh, anything else you want to talk about for Toronto or focus on here? Not anything else. I just want to talk about OG. I feel like I haven't had an opportunity to since uh, we were talking about before the drafts. Um, he, this was a guy I have almost everywhere. And um, I can't believe I got him as late as I did. The preseason, we saw how this dude worked on his ball handling. We saw how he was comfortable in the ISO. So I guess why I haven't been screaming about him as much is because what he's doing is I expected it to happen. I'm just glad it's happening. I'm glad I have him on all my teams. But it doesn't necessarily surprise me. Career highs across the board. His usage is up to 24.3. That might not seem extremely high, but it's because part of the usage rate calculation 
turnovers are a factor in that, which is why Russell's is always so high. Um, so 23.4 with basically no turnovers is excellent for a guy who is scoring, uh, what is it, 20.3 20 po points a game, still doing it with the defensive stats, that 1.6 steals, 0.6 blocks. This guy, man, this guy is just having a, an incredible season. And no, I am not worried about Pascal coming back. In fact, I think when Pascal comes back, it's just going to help open up the floor for him a little bit more. He is clearly a part, a significant part of this offense. And I, I love watching him play. I love the leap that he's taken this season. I love watching guys grow the way that OG has. It is a one. And then, hold, okay, just stream conscious right onto my man. Gary Trent Jr., post-hype all-star. I was all over this guy last year and didn't quite work out, but now we were seeing what I was hoping he could do last year. It is not just the triples. It is his ability to rip away the rock like some metaphor that I don't have off the top of my head because it's a little bit early in the morning as we're recording this, um, but he is fantastic, man. The efficiency could be better. I'll give you that. But uh, if you're giving me a guy who's going to rip away the rock like this, plus giving me about 12 to 15 points with two-ish triples of games, I love it. Give it to me. Yeah. And to your point, doing more than just hitting threes. And I think uh, efficiency was a big concern coming in. And what else could he give you? Would supporting stats be there? And we've seen enough so far this season to say, yeah. You know, still some concerns about the field goal percentage, and that's a little rough, and the overall volume will probably come down when Siakam's healthy. But I'm with you. I think the steals are great. The The high-volume scoring is there. Only one turnover last night and 43 minutes played. Incredible. And I didn't even mention Fr Fred Van Vliet, who nearly triple-doubled. He had 17, 9, and yeah. 8 with, with two steals. There were some bad parts to that game, but we'll get to that in a minute. Let's move on. We'll talk about Miles Bridges, another guy I know... The fantasy world is a buzz, right? <laughs> Miles Bridges, heck, the whole NBA community should be. Miles Bridges looks awesome. The assists in recent games, I mean, I'd be lying. I think most NBA followers and fantasy managers did not quite see this coming. Even if you were high on Miles Bridges, as I know, <laughs> uh, regular round ball stew host Matt Straup was high on Bridges coming into the season. And Raphael. If you got him around his ADP of what I assume was like 70, you got to be over the moon right now. Was it in the 90s? Yeah, it was in the 90s. No, yeah, when, when someone's in the 90s, that tells you that this guy wasn't on anyone's radar, man. Right. Like, we would have been reaching for him. The hype train hadn't gotten him. And my lord, I will admit, I was also very highly skeptical. Uh, they Matt and Steve touched on this yesterday, so I don't want to uh, bring up the same exact points. But, uh, you know, we were concerned about all these pieces moving around. Kelly Oubre's there. PJ Washington's there. Mason mm -hmm. Plumlee's there. Doesn't matter. Look. And the one thing I was slightly concerned about was, okay, well, can he do this when Terry Rozier's back? Because he had that one, like, not okay game. Well, now it's been two games with Terry, and he is not slowing down. And the thing that really jumps out to me is this dude's playmaking skills are legit. And that is what's going to make ensure that regardless of who's around him, he is going to put up numbers. He's going to find a way to do it. If he's not scoring, he's making beautiful passes. If he's not passing, he's doing incredible dunks or hitting triples. This guy is just having an explosion. 
I don't see any reason for his stats to decline. Now, that's not to say that I believe he's going to be first round value because there's going to be other guys who are struggling who will come up into the first round. But his production, the numbers, I think are very sustainable. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. And it's a perfect confluence of his skills, you know, emerging, I think, finally feeling perfectly fluid and comfortable in the NBA setting. And then also his coach empowering him to do those things, right? Like his ability to make those plays doesn't matter if if Coach Borrego is saying that's not your role, stand in the corner and be a catch and shoot guy. Now he's he's saying, hey, here's here's the ball, attack your man. And if the bucket isn't there for you, find your teammates. He's doing just that. So uh, love what we're seeing there. In Orlando, I'm also loving Franz Wagner, who scored a career-high 28 points. It was kind of overshadowed by uh, teammate Cole Anthony. He had 31 points, 9 boards, 8 assists, 2 steals, a block, 6 three-pointers, 4 turnovers in 38 minutes. Listen, again, Cole Anthony, I didn't see a line like that coming from him all season. And maybe this is the high watermark for him, but even so, that's a pretty high mark. Uh, So you have to be thrilled with that. You know... Is a line like that sustainable? No, of course not. But you're still getting well beyond what you paid on draft day. So I, I'm fine with that. And Franz Wagner. But then again, like if I had Cole Anthony on my rosters, I would be floating trade offers left and right personally. Franz Wagner, you know, 28 points. He's still not rostered in every league. I just picked him up in a pretty know, competitive 12 in a pretty competitive 12 or actually 14 team league like three days ago. And I couldn't believe that he was still out there, but sure enough. So I now have him on well over half of my fantasy uh, rosters. I don't see him slowing down. And even when, you know, I think the big question is, well, when the other shoe drops and Jonathan Isaac returns, what's going to happen then? For one thing, we have no idea when that's going to be. We also have no idea whether Isaac will actually stay on the court when he does return. And I'm not all that worried since Isaac is a low usage offensive guy and Wagner has proven that he can score. He's proven that he can rack up defensive stats. He can rebound. He's going to do it all efficiently. So I love where he's at. I think rest of season value speaks for itself. And he has decimated Chuma Okiki. I'm just forgetting about him. I had Okiki stashed in a couple leagues. No longer. Smart. Yeah. Okiki's not that great. Um, I agree 100% with what you're saying. Uh, I will acknowledge that Cole Anthony was someone who is not quite on my radar, and I have a bias here. I am uh, a little bit of a Markel Fultz fanboy, but we have no idea when he is going to come back. And um, the amount of time that he's been out, clearly they're going to be a ramp-up process. So, uh, you know, Cole Anthony is going to be good until that happens. So that was a missed call by me. I was a little bit dismissive in, in Friday's chat when I got asked a question about him. Can't do that anymore. I just have to wake up to reality. And this guy, this guy's crushing it. Um, about Wagner, my lord, I picked him up this morning. Actually, uh, I picked him up this morning. I, I gave up on uh, DeAndre Hunter. So uh, this guy is, might be available in, in some shallower leagues out there. So. Uh, I don't know why it would stop. I think this guy was the forgotten. This draft class is loaded. Right? So many guys. This draft class is absurd. This is going to be one of the best draft class. You know, it's early in the season, but man, we've, I've, I don't remember seeing upside like this this early from like basically everyone. We haven't even seen Cade yet. 
too much to cover to to go down that that uh path but i i completely agree from you know scotty barnes even watching a guy like herbert jones is is really growing on me as you watch him play but uh yeah. hey that can be a topic for a, a future pod elsewhere let's talk seth curry he's been a quiet assassin absolutely killing it so far just simply are you buying it uh let me tell you this. I think that Seth Curry's season is going to hinge on what happens with the Ben Simmons trade. Uh, and also mm. keep in mind, he did get off to an explosive start last season as well. Uh, through the first two weeks of last season, he was a top 40 player. So the fast starts are not out of the ordinary for him. There is plenty of reason for him to do it right now, especially this next week while... Um, Tobias Harris is going to be in quarantine, but I don't know. We, we have no idea what's going to happen with Ben Simmons, who's going to come back, whatnot. But uh, I think at worst case, he's, he's just like a top 75 ish guy and, and his ceiling seems to be in the 50 range. So yeah, currently sitting on top 40 value. I, I mean, I'm with you. And if you tell me that the worst case scenario is volume falls slightly and he ends up as a top 80 player, that's great. Uh, another guy available on plenty of waiver wires. He's hitting a career high in minutes at 32, points at 16, career high in rebounds, career high in threes, career high field goal percentage, and three-point percentage at 54%. Now, those things are going to dip, as you mentioned, just a, a red-hot start that isn't perfectly sustainable. But he's super efficient, 9-cat. You know, he's going to be a top 100 guy. There's almost no way that he isn't. So definitely keep him on your roster. If anyone has cut him, I assume he would have been picked up by now, but it never hurts to double check. And finally, on the plus column, let's talk Al Horford. Is he unstoppable, Jared? What is what is going on? Uh, I will admit to some ageism here. You know, I was like, Horford is 35. He's going to be very good per game, but I assume he'll be rested. And then preseason, I think uh, Celtics coach Ime Udoka came out and said Horford will play in back-to-backs. And, you know, I think athletics is the only athletics, maybe ballet. I'm sure there are other places where ageism seems perfectly fine. You can just say this guy's old. He's not going to be good. But Horford, I mean, he has the highest total rebound rate since he was a rookie. So he's he's hitting the glass at an incredible rate, which is somewhat a condemnation of his teammates, maybe. But he also leads the NBA in block rate at 9.2%. His previous career high was 3.9%. I mean, you tell me if that's sustainable, but it's not. <laughs> there's nothing else to say, I guess. If you if you have this is a situation where, and this happens every year with players. I think if you have Al Horford, there's no feasible way that you are going to trade him for comparable value. It's just not going to happen. Right. So you might as well just sit on it and say, well, hopefully he keeps going like this because he's he's not slowing down yet. So I think that's where we're at with Horford. I think we really need to just like reevaluate uh, when we start writing guys off. Uh, it used to be 30 when, you know, people were eating steak and eggs for breakfast and smoking a cigarette on the sidelines. But uh, with just like the medical improvements, improved nutrition, the way that they take care of their bodies now, I think guys are just a lot more effective later in their career. We're seeing it with LeBron. LeBron shouldn't be this good. 
Yeah. Well, it's also super case by case because like LeBron, I mean, his work ethic is ridiculous. I think he's said that he spends like $800,000 just keeping his body tuned up every year or something like that. Like he, I mean, the level of energy and routine and regimen and nutrition, everything that goes into his body is like absurd. Not every player is going to do that, obviously. Horford, I think, is unique in that he doesn't rely on athleticism. It kind of like, you know, Chris Paul in the point guard position. These guys aren't built on beating their man one-on-one or anything like that. A lot of it is basketball IQ, knowing where to be, reading the play and getting ahead of things, that type of thing. So that's why a player like Al Horford can continue to thrive well well beyond uh, or well into his 30s, I should say. 100%. Yeah. It's, you know, it's it's finesse versus athleticism, guys. Like we saw, uh, example, Gerald Wallace. He completely fell off a cliff once he reached a certain age and that the athleticism went. Um, mm-hmm. but Al Horford's yeah. not, yeah. he's, he wasn't a guy that was yamming on people. He's a guy, he just plays a finesse game. <laughs> he's very, very smooth and, and, and smart everywhere he goes. Every coach absolutely loves him. There's a reason for that. So yeah, I think that he can, the blocks aren't going to be there, but you know, the, the stats, yeah, the stats should be. Another testament to his basketball IQ. He's not blocking, he's not stuffing people at the rim. Like these are just smart plays, help defense, weak side D, all that stuff. All right, enough praise of the old man, Al Horford. <laughs> I want to throw this in there, but I don't want to get too bogged down. We're, we're already running behind slightly given how much we have to cover. But I wanted to talk about the Cavs. Quite a mixed bag as we transition from from highlights from Monday's games to some some negative things. The Cavs' front court has been simply exceptional. I mean, we know what Evan Mobley is doing. Jarrett Allen is blowing away most people's expectations on pace for a career year everywhere. Uh, Lowry Markkinen having a resurgent campaign. The Cavs are featuring him, playing him at small forward, and he's he's making it look good. It, the defensive stats are there, which is absolutely huge. So even when his shots aren't dropping, you're getting value. On the flip side, the Cavs' backcourt has been awful. Uh, Colin Sexton, nowhere near where you thought he would be. Darius Carlin, you know, missing games. Now he's been kind of middling. Shots aren't falling yet. Rubio's been fine. I I shouldn't besmirch his good name. He has been quite good. Yeah, yeah. He's been been good. But it is a a stark divide between the way the frontcourt is producing based on their ADP and the way the backcourt is underproducing. Um, I just thought I'd throw that out there. Any any particular insights or thoughts, go for it. I guess just as someone who didn't draft Garland or Sexton anywhere, but did pick up Rubio off waivers everywhere, I'm fine with the backcourt. You played that well, my friend. Uh, and uh, I also drafted Jarrett Allen and Mobley in pretty much everywhere. So I guess that it just worked out. Um, I think that what Mobley is doing is incredibly impressive, incredibly sustainable. Same with Jared Allen. I think Rubio looks like the point guard that you want to own in Cleveland until he gets injured. Wait, so you would have Rubio over Garland right now? Is that what you're saying? For now. I mean, I guess until he gets hurt. But I'm just like glad that I picked him up. He's playing really well. Right. Um, I think that Garland will play better. He'll get better. Uh, I'm not so sure about Sexton. It's weird what that team is doing with their backcourt. It never made too much sense. They have three point guards and mm-hmm. um, two centers, I guess. <laughs> but, and they're playing Laurie on the at the three. So it's a weird team. Because if you if you picked up Rubio, you either drafted him in like round twelve or you got him off the waiver wire. Either way, he's putting up dimes and steals. And if he starts to struggle or the minutes go down, you cut him and you've really lost nothing. So yep. Um, 
love love where you're at there as a Rubio manager. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Okay, it wasn't all good news on Monday. We have to, let's just dive right into the, is dumpster fire still a term or is that lame and outdated? I don't know. In any case, Chris Boucher is is the topic. He's the he's the reason I brought up that term. Another just awful game on Monday. He, he can't earn minutes. Uh, you know, his coach clearly is willing to just bench him at a moment's notice. He had two points on one of four shooting, 0 of three from deep, one rebound and one block in 10 minutes on Monday. In a game the Raptors won, mind you, and Kem Birch played more minutes than Chris Boucher and Precious Achua combined. What do we do with this information? I I said last week, Boucher is cuttable because the opportunity cost is too great. You're just sitting on him. He's producing nothing. Meanwhile, valuable free agents are flying off the wire in the early stage of the season. I haven't changed my take, put it that way. It's bad, man. It was, I think the worst part of yesterday was that Scotty Barnes didn't play, and I was like, ooh, maybe. Maybe there's a chance. Nope. Played like 18 minutes. Nurse doesn't like him. Um, that's pretty much the reddest of the red flags. I am right on the verge of cutting him. <laughs> Uh, in a deeper league where I, ha- I have them in like a 14 team league, I don't think I'm going to get anything better on the waiver wire. So in that league, I'm just like, this guy is a stash. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. I'm just hoping he gets traded. I'm not expecting the production to come in Toronto, though. And in a shallower league, I'm just like, I don't know. I, I, don't, think I don't think I want yeah. this guy on my roster anymore. It's it's really bad, despite the upside. I'm with you there because I I think... You know, if you look at it like, hey, I'm in a good position, maybe your team's off to a decent start, just put them on your bench and see what happens because we we know the permanent upside. I don't I don't want to harp on that yet again, but there's an aspect of it that's like the the sunk cost fallacy where you think, well, I put in all this draft capital to get him, I might as well just hold on. And it's really hard to get over that cognitive bias. I'm doing it too. I just said at the top of this segment that I that I would cut him and yet I still have him on a roster uh in I believe a 12 team league. So it's tough to give up on that permanent upside. Uh, but 
if you want to, if you feel you must, if there are good free agents that you want and he's the worst guy on your team, don't beat yourself up about it. Just cut him and move on. And even if he blows up later in the season, know that you got productivity for weeks and weeks and weeks, probably, that he wasn't giving you. That last game was brutal with Scotty Barnes being out. Just nothing. Ugh. That, yeah, I, I have nothing yeah. to sell anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, all right. Damian Lillard struggles. I'm sure this is a uh, different tone we will strike here. Philly's home crowd was chanting, we want Lillard when he was at the line last night. That was pretty funny. Uh, but Damian Lillard just off to a truly awful start as a shooter. I should have pulled up his stats, but let's just say somewhere in the 30 something percent range. Here it is. He's shooting 34.9% through seven games his low for his career in a season is 41.9 percent seven percent higher than where he's at currently i don't even think this is a situation where you can quote buy low because it's damian lillard everybody knows what he's gonna do a slump is frustrating sure but nobody thinks like oh dame forgot how to shoot the ball i think you can buy low in less experienced leagues let's say okay maybe but um yeah i i'm not I'm not worried, and I, that's definitely where I'm at. I would try to. I would rather have him than not have him. Um, uh, it's frustrating if you spend a first-round pick on this guy and he's not performing. But come on, it's Damian Lillard. Maybe something's bothering him. Maybe he's dealing with some sort of injury that he's not going to talk about because he's Dame. Um, I'm not worried. Would you rather have this? Was a, a trade offer that I was asked to evaluate from someone on Twitter? Damian Lillard on one hand, or Drew Holiday and Anthony Edwards on the other. Hmm. I will I will jump in and say that I will take Dame here because I'm always a fan of getting the clearly superior player in a two for one and then just picking up whatever replacement right. value you can get, especially this early in the season. Yeah, that's the key. You've got months even until the trade deadline when all sorts of players and opportunities will arise. So I think I take Dame and replacement value over Holiday and Ant Edwards. I, uh, I think that's a fair trade, but I'm just never in favor of dealing first-round talent, especially this early in the year. It's just yep. like, what are you doing? Like, you can you can get depth by trading another guy who's also good, but don't trade someone who's honestly capable of top five production. Don't do that. Right, and if you can get that player on the flip side, then by all means. I mean, I'm, I'm all for racking up top 10 talent, even if it thins out your depth a little bit. Right. Okay, and then two big men to round out the sort of down note section of this. Uh, oh, and then we're going to talk Hawks. But Jaron Jackson Jr. cannot shake his foul trouble per 36 minutes in his career. As a rookie, he averaged 5.2 fouls per 36. Then 5.1. Last season, 5.9, albeit in limited games. This season, he's at 5.3. So setting aside injury concerns with JJJ, can he stay on the court for 30, 32 minutes a game? It certainly doesn't seem as though he can, given the consistency of that foul rate. Let me tell you this. Jonas, I love you. <laughs> You're my guy. I'm sorry, dude. I don't, I don't know. I don't see it. This, it, it, this looks like Jaron Jackson Jr. to me, what he's doing right now. Hmm. It's not surprising. <laughs> uh, this guy is a fouling machine. It's been his nature ever since he entered the league. He honestly doesn't even have that much experience with how often he's been hurt. And it's just the it's the reason his minutes have always been low is because of this foul trouble. He can have these explosive lines, but uh, 
this foul trouble issue has been consistent. Why would we think it's going to go away if it's not? Right. Well, it's <laughs> a great rhetorical question. I don't have an answer for. <laughs> so there you go. We can we can uh, give Jonas space for a rebuttal on a future <laughs> to say round ball stew. Uh, Daniel Gafford, you wanted to make make a case for him not being as good as uh, as perhaps I and Matt Straub and others may believe. Why don't Why don't you go for it? We're we need to zip through things if we're if we're to get to the end, though. Sure. Uh, I mean, what are we looking at? We're looking at seven points, four point two boards, and two point two swats. Feels a lot like Mitchell Robinson. He's not scoring. He's not grabbing boards. His value is entirely rooted in the shot blocking department. Doesn't seem that great to me. Your response. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I will say he finished last season with 11 or more points in eight of his final 10 games. There was elite efficiency to go along with that. But he was also producing steals, which hasn't happened yet this year. And he didn't have any competition from Montrez Harrell. Exactly. Plus, plus we've got the eventual, you know, Thomas Bryant concern. You know, last season you could say, well, his minutes weren't that high because it was conditioning. You know, they were pointing to conditioning. Well, you can't use that excuse this year. Harold's outplayed him for the most part. The only thing I would I would rely on here is that he's only played in four games. So it's going to get better. The elite blocks are there. I think at worst, you just flip it, you know, survey your league, see who needs blocks and see what you could turn them into via trade because there's still value there. Cam Reddish or DeAndre Hunter? Who would you rather have in fantasy right now? And Hunter continues to start, but Cam has been very impressive despite minutes that are stubbornly stuck in the 20s off the bench. This is the question I wanted to ask you because uh, I was quite high on oh. DeAndre Hunter coming into the season. Um, I wrote him a glowing review after his first game and uh, not much since. Meanwhile, Cam Reddish looks like he is coming alive. Now let's just uh, do a quick recap of the situation. Rookie season, these two come in the league. Cam Reddish is number 10 pick. DeAndre Hunter is the fourth, I believe. And um, neither of them do much. And then Cam Reddish has this explosion late in the year. Everyone's like, oh, Cam Reddish is the dude. Uh, we get to sophomore season. Cam Reddish has basically hurt the entire year, uh, destroys expectations um, in a bad way. And uh, Hunter just has this um, a massive explosion across 30-something games. Looks like incredible. He's outplaying John, John Collins. And now we're in year three. And Cam Reddish is healthy. And, the, and Bogdan is healthy. Everyone's healthy. And this was my concern. Can he replicate that production when everyone is healthy and he's having to share the rock with this incredibly loaded team? And it just seems like, no, um, he is a very smart player who plays the right way. And for those reasons, the stats aren't always going to be there. Um, he's not going to force it. And uh, I don't know. Right now, I'm kind of leaning towards Cam Reddish, honestly. How do you feel about DeAndre Hunter? Oh, I would fully, fully take Cam right now, simply because, I mean, I think Hunter's efficiency will come back up. He's only shooting 40% from the field. That should improve, but he's barely getting any rebounds. I don't think he has more than four boards in a game all season. I don't think he has more than one assist in a single game all season. And the defensive st stats aren't there, despite what an incredible defender he is in real life. It's just not translating to many defensive stats. Part of that might be because he's on ball so frequently, he doesn't really have an opportunity to time passing lanes and things like that to get easy yes. swipes. But wh whatever it might be, it's just not happening for him. And the usage isn't ever going to be incredible, given how 
completely loaded the Hawks are. Plus, you've got Reddish playing better, you know, more competition for minutes. So for all the reasons you said and more, as much as I love Hunter in real life, and I still think that he has definite fantasy upside in the right situation, absolutely. Uh, but right now, it's not really happening for him. So I, I'm fine moving on. You know, you said you, who is it you caught him for? Someone who shouldn't have been available? Franz Wagner, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I love that. I would cut him for Cam as well. Yeah. Okay, that takes us to, and we have to do this super quickly, Jared. So let's do a, a fast break. We'll adopt the seven seconds or less mentality. Let's do it. So I'm going to just give you very brief topics. I may try to put my spin on it or not, and just give me your very quick response. Uh, Karis Levert did not shoot well on Monday, but he has looked great. Uh, are you worried about his health or are you now willing to overlook the injury risk just given how good he's looked? 100%. I'm, I'm very excited to see this man on the court. I think he's looked incredible. Uh, okay, sure, he didn't shoot the ball on his second game. Shoot the ball that well on his second game back. Plenty of upside here. I love it. Desmond Bain didn't get much hype preseason, except from you and I, perhaps. <laughs> um, I, I think Kyle Anderson scared people off. So I guess my question here is, we've yet to see Dylan Brooks return. Is it not worried. between Desmond Bain and DeAnthony Melton? Who do you think is hurt more by Dylan Brooks? Bain. Mel, uh, Melton Bain? is hurt. I think Melton is hurt more by Dylan Brooks because I think that yes. the fantasy industry got a little bit too caught up on DeAnthony Melton uh, heading into the draft. People were reaching for him and you and I were just like, all right, I mean, reach for Melton. I'm going to get Bain in the last round. And hey, Bain is putting up top 50 value and totally sustainable. I don't think that people really understood how good this guy was. Uh, I yeah. saw it last year when he he sent Dubs packing with a dunk at like the final seconds of the playing game. Uh, this guy was a 40% shooter from distance. Everything about this guy is good. Um, and he has the size to play the position, whereas DeAnthony Melton doesn't. So it would make way more sense to switch DeAnthony Melton to a six-man role once Dillon Brooks comes back. Uh, Bain is not a guy who needs a ton of usage. Beautiful. He's fine. There you go. I love Bain. Bain is built like a little brick house. I love that dude. Compact, quick shot, yeah. strong, <laughs> tough. I love it. Let's see. Are you worried about Cade Cunningham? You know, we haven't really seen him yet this season, so it, it, obviously, but let me put it this way. Would you trade him for someone like Mike Conley? No, I'd rather have Cade. Let's like give this guy more than two games. Let's not freak out. Yeah, he's not going to play back-to-backs early. It's fine. It's a it's a minor ankle injury that they're being overly cautious with. Uh, chill out, guys. He's fine. Number one pick. Look at all these rookies blowing up. He'll be good. Unfortunately, when he is out, it doesn't seem like there's been any replacement value to find. Even in DFS, it's it's yeah. <laughs> scratching dirt trying to find value there. So, oh, well. Let's see. Is KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, is, is he a guy you would add? I just picked him up in a nine, uh, I think a league you might be in, a, a deeper nine cat league. I think he's proficient enough. The playing time is certainly robust early on. So I'm, I'm all for picking him up. How about you? Yeah, sure. Uh, he has three games. <laughs> Three or four games this week? Do they play on Monday? I mean, I mean, he's not like going to blow you away, but he's doing it yeah. right now. Uh, he was my last pick in that silly thirty deep league everyone talks about. So, um, you know, the opportunity's there. Um, he's you, not going to be a league winner, but um, yeah. You said it all with with the tone of your yeah. You could have just left it there. <laughs> <laughs> Moving onward. 
Andre Drummond had a monster line, uh, ridiculous permanent stats. This comes from Brad Stonebreaker's Daily Dose last night. Andre Drummond is one of the most obvious flyers in DFS plays whenever Embiid is out. He made the most of it and then some. He is the first NBA player to tally 10, 15, and 5 with 5 steals and no turnovers since Hakeem Olajuwon in March of 1990. Wow. So that's the company Drummond somehow (laughs) kept last night. I don't think there's more really to say than that. He's a flyer DFS guy when Embiid is out. Otherwise, I I don't even want him anywhere near my rosters, personally. Well said. You know what? I was going to talk about the Bulls, but unless there's something you really want to pull out of here, we're running out of time. I don't think we we can squeeze it. And then I'm just going to jump to the end. Tyrese Maxey, he's been been okay. A guy from Philly that I'd like to pull out is Matisse Thibel. Yeah. He's a a, a roto master. I'll let you speak to him first, and then I have one final thought on this. Uh, Yeah, just Thibel in less attractive in head-to-head leagues, incredibly attractive in roto leagues because of the way that he brings that defensive production. In a roto league, when you're counting those stats all years long and he's just stacking those stocks, wonderful. Yeah, I wonder where he is. I I didn't look at his combined stocks compared to league leaders, but I will say this. This is one thing I did look up. He has 17 steals and 10 blocks in 156 minutes played. So again, speaking to that incredibly efficient two-cat production that that he's putting up. Now, I didn't give this little final segment a name, but I wanted to point, point this out. Again, Matisse Thibel, 17 steals and 10 blocks in 150 minutes. Now, here are players with two or fewer assists in 100 or more minutes. Chris Boucher, LaMarcus Aldridge, Robert Covington, Hassan Whiteside, Daniel Gafford, and Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Those are the only players who've played at least 100 minutes and have two or fewer assists. So if you heard the names on that list... They are not going to help you at all in that category. Boucher being on there. I mean, no surprise. You don't expect dimes from those guys. Yeah. However, let's get to zero blocks in 150 minutes. Again, Matisse Thibel has 10. We've got zero blocks in 150 minutes. Reggie Jackson, Jordan Clarkson, Tim Hardaway Jr., Devin Booker, Tyler Hero, Colin Sexton, Damian Lillard. All guys you'd expect. Then you can throw in Bojan Bogdanovich at 180 minutes played without a block. He's perpetually on this list. Doesn't surprise me. PJ Tucker at 160 minutes. Not too shocking, but it is damning for his deep league value. If you had any hope of him, it was going to hinge on defensive stats. And finally, Harrison Barnes, 225 minutes. Only Collins, Sexton, and Dame have played more minutes without a single block. I wouldn't hold it against him too much, given how good Harry B has been. But it's interesting. I mean, if he were to have blocked even a handful of shots, he'd be even higher. I mean, he could be a first-round fantasy play at the moment. He's been insane early on. Yes, I agree. That's about it. And then, oh, I have one more zero steals in a minimum 100 minutes. This is a group of five people. Damian Lee, Daniel Tice, Reggie Bullock. So there goes any... He has zero steals or blocks in 124 minutes. So if you thought 3 and D, well, not so much. (laughs) Uh, Jeff Green, zero steals in 119 minutes. And Austin Reeves, who is shockingly getting a lot of minutes for the Lakers. That's the most surprising stat you told me, is that Austin Reeves has that many minutes. (laughs) Every time I see him on the court in a game, I'm like, I'm shocked. But anyway, so a lot of a lot of empty minutes in those statistics. A lot of good stuff, a lot of bad stuff. Thanks for talking it all over with me, Jared. We'll do it again next Tuesday and every Tuesday this season. Anything you want to add before we're out of here? That's about it. All right, go find Jared Johnson 
on Twitter at JTheTruth. You'll figure out how to spell it. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Adios. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.